Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexanero Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky football's 52-21 win over the Louisville Cardinals on Saturday night. We're recording this on Sunday, November the 28th, 2021. We're going to review UK's 52-21 win over the Cards last night at Cardinals Stadium. And to help me do it, I talked with my friend, colleague, and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. Before we get to that, I want to remind you, you can get a sports passports only digital subscription to Kentucky.com, $30 for the first year. Go to my Twitter feed, at John Clay IV. Click on the pin tweet at the top of the feed. That'll take you to where everywhere where you need to go to find out everything about the Sports Pass, Sports Only Digital Subscription. You get of all of our UK football coverage with Josh Moore, UK basketball with Jerry Tipton, UK recruiting with Ben Roberts, uh, our high school coverage with Jared Peck. You get all for $30 for the first year, or just go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab, check out all of the offers for a digital subscription to Kentucky.com or a print subscription to the Lexington Herald Leader. Okay, let's get right to it. My discussion with Mark Story as we talk both about Kentucky's 52-21 win over Louisville and also about the season where Kentucky might go for a bowl and Mark Stoops' future as well. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is my friend and colleague and fellow Lexington Herald leader and Kentucky.com sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. I'm pretty sure the Kentucky-Louisville football game is just now in starting the fourth quarter. <laughs> it was a long night last night. We were recording this on Sunday afternoon. Long night last night in Louisville at Cardinal Stadium. Uh, but Kentucky wins 52-21 over Louisville. It really wasn't even that close. Uh, Kentucky blowing out Louisville for the third straight year. Uh, Mark, you wrote about it. What about this uk L series at this point? Well, there was speculation last week in the in the Louisville media that UK was not might not be committed to it long term once the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma because we all assume that that will mean adding a ninth league game. But I just have a hard time seeing UK pulling the plug on that for several reasons. Number one, the speculation is if uh, the SEC goes to pod scheduling, Kentucky and Tennessee may not be playing every year. And if that's the case, you wouldn't really have a rivalry game if you're not playing Louisville. You know, right. Secondly, you know, the, even with Kentucky standing 12 and 15 against UofL in the modern rivalry, 
that that's 12 wins that have really resonated with the Kentucky fan base and the teams that UK most wants to beat or the fans most want to beat in the SEC are Tennessee and Florida. And we're all aware of the struggles Kentucky's had beating those two teams. So why would you give up, you know, a chance to, to win a lot of games that matter to your fans? And then the third thing is Kentucky's in complete control of this rivalry. They're just dominating it at the moment. Why in the world would you walk away from that? Right, right. Uh, nothing too. I mean, it's a game that's good. You're going to sell tickets uh, if you if you say you drop the Louisville series to pick up another, you know, playing another mid major or low major or even an uh, FCS team. You're, you know, you you're not going to the way that Kentucky has drawn real well for their big games this year, had several sellouts. But when they're playing, you know, UL Monroe or New Mexico State or whatever, the crowds are not that big. So why would you turn your back on those ticket sales? That also is a very excellent point. I my guess is that Kentucky will drop that they'll keep their FCS game and drop one of the quote-unquote group of five games they've been playing when when and if the SEC goes to nine games. I, ju- I just don't see them dropping the Louisville series. Well, why, what, as you mentioned, Kentucky is dominating the series right now. They've won the last three games by huge margins. Uh, why? What's, what, why is Kentucky dominating Louisville? They've gone through each, – each program has gone through streaks where they have you know one – they reel off three or four wins in a row, then the other one kind of gets upper hand, gets two, three, maybe four, five, four wins in a row. But Kentucky's just dominated these last three games. What's been the difference? Well, two words, line play. Yeah. And Kentucky just has just dominated Louisville in the trenches. Last three Kentucky-Louisville games, Kentucky has scored 17 rushing touchdowns. And 10 of them, by my observation, having gone back and reviewed the tape, 10 of them have been scored without a, the runner ever being touched really? by a Louisville defender. I mean, you know, that's, it's just kind of astounding. And, you know, I don't know that there's a quick fix for that. Maybe in a, the transfer portal era, you can import, you know, a veteran lines and fix it quicker than in the past. But you usually have to develop line play and it takes time. So, you know, I don't you know, I don't know that there's a quick fix for U of L in terms of you know how how far ahead of them UK presently is in terms of its line play. Yeah, because if you look at Mark Stoops in this program, it took him a while to build the line play up to where it has been the last few years. It's not something where he just snapped his fingers overnight and all of a sudden Kentucky had a great offensive line, a great defensive line. It takes time to build that sort of thing. And Louisville does look like they've got good, some good skill players. Obviously, you know, Cunningham, Kentucky did a great job of keeping him. Malik Cunningham, the Louisville quarterback, did a great job of keeping him pinned in last night. But I think they've got some other good player. Mitchell, I think, is a good running back. They've got some good receivers. They're a young team. But you're right, up front, their offensive line and defensive line just did not match up. No, not, not at all. And, you know, it's, um, it'll be interesting going forward. You know, Kentucky loses Darian Kennard and Luke Fortner, sort of been kind of the staples or two of the staples of the big blue wall. So you're sort of replacing, you know, in, in over a two-year period, you will have had to replace Darian Kennard, Luke Fortner, Drake Jackson, and Landon Young. So you know, we'll see if Kentucky can stay at the same level as an offensive line. And then, you know, the defensive line over the course of the season, I didn't think was quite as good, especially after the injuries, as it had been the previous few seasons. But obviously, at least last night, they on both sides of the ball, they were way ahead of Louisville. 
Yeah. Obviously, a big game last night from Will Levis. Ran for four touchdowns, over 100 yards, 14 of 18 through the through the air. Just his intensity and determination, I think, shown through the game all last night. I asked uh, uh, Will after the game, you know, did he, get, did he get tired of hearing about uh, Cunningham all week? And he said, no, that wasn't really the motiv- motivation. But I would think that little, even a little bit, you had to be in, <laughs> tired of everybody talking about Cunningham all week. Well, it was fascinating. You know, the Penn State used him as you know a their situational running quarterback, and and that was sort of the guy guy last night that Kentucky utilized. And you know, I thought you know they had those quarterback draws. There was clearly a problem in the Louisville defense. I think it was in the Clemson game where they got really hurt by quarterback run game, and obviously Kentucky had picked up on that and and and, and knew there was a vulnerability and was able to exploit it. And, 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 and Levis, you know, he also threw the ball well. I mean, he yeah. played, you know, when he plays clean, you know, when Kentucky plays a clean game, Kentucky's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and a clean game uh, by Kentucky last night. Well, let's talk about the offense. Let's talk. Let's recap the season a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Liam Cohen hired from the Los Angeles Rams by Mark Stoops to bring more balance to the offense, still have a good running game, but also add a passing game element to it uh you know they had some games this year when you think uh you know lsu over 40 points tennessee in a losing effort over 40 points 56 last week last week uh and then 52 last night how would you uh, how would you recap the season on the offensive side of the ball do you think what liam Cohn was able to do that that make that transition was was a success this season yeah, I think if I was grading it, I'd probably give it a B plus. I think it was pretty successful. I, I went back and just to compare numbers, they were 115th in the country last year in total offense, 318 yards a game. This year, they're 45th in total offense, 431 yards a game. They went from 107th in scoring to 32nd in scoring, up 12 points a game. They were actually 34th last year in the country rushing, you know, 196.5 yards. This year, they're 23rd in the country rushing, 206 yards a game. Last year, they were 122nd in the country in passing. This year, they're 72nd, up over 100, about 104 yards a game more. And then last year, they were 95th in the country on third down conversions. This year, they're fifth in the country, converted 51.1% on third down. They also, you know, they had a 1,000-yard rusher, Christopher Rodriguez, who's 11th in the country in rushing, have a 1,000-yard receiver in Wondell Robinson, who's 15th in the country in receiving yards and set the school single-season uh, receptions record with 94 catches. I mean, I think if you'd offered Kentucky fans those outcomes before the season, almost everybody would have taken it. Talking about Wondell Robinson, how much of a difference do you think he made? As you mentioned, he set the single-season record, 94 catches on the year, over 1,000 yards, transferring back home from Nebraska. Uh, what I mean, would, this, would they have had the same success if they did not have Wondell Robinson out there as a receiver? I do not think so. I think he was perfect for the offense they put in because the Rams use their slot receivers a lot, and you know, he – Gave Kentucky a, a, a quality of dynamic playmaking that Kentucky hadn't you know, didn't have last year without Lynn Bowden and you know hasn't had in abundance even 
during this period of ascendance of UK football ascendance, one the one thing maybe they've lacked is a sufficient number of dynamic playmakers to really stress high level defenses. And I don't know, and they're still probably working toward that, but I think Wandell gave them that and you know he came up, you know, he was remarkably consistent. I mean, he you go back and look at his season, he really didn't have bad games. No. And um, you know, he Mark, you know, Mark Stoops just gushes about him in a, the way in a way he does about few players. And, you know, I, I, to answer your original question, no, I don't think they would have <laughs> been anywhere close to nine and three and had the offensive success they had had he not come home. Yeah, speaking about uh, you know, the way Mark Stoops gushed about Wandale, and I think it was mainly from the standpoint I think you referred to him last night as a baller. Uh, just and that's the one thing that's really I mean, well, it have been several things that have impressed me about Wandale as somebody who didn't watch him play in high school is just his toughness. I mean, just a tough kid, hard to bring down when he makes the catch. Does a really good job on his routes when he when he's been put you know chucked or pushed or they try to play bump and run with him. I mean, for his size especially overall, he just brings a toughness and a physical play. To, uh, for someone who, when you look at him, you don't think of him as being a physical player. I mean, I know he's fairly stout. I, I guess I'm just thinking more of a uh, more of a height standard. But I think it seems to me that Stoops is what he really loves about him is just that physical aspect to his game. Yeah, I don't think you know. Mark last night talked about Wandell's willingness in blocking to mm-hmm. you know really you know to you know put it on the line as a blocker and and you know that's the kind of thing if for a head coach who values physicality maybe above all that that's 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 a quick way into his heart right uh okay what about defensively uh i mean obviously they played a i thought played an excellent game last night i thought they had an excellent game plan for uh cunningham they seem to have the right Feel for when to put when to blitz him, when to try to stay back and and controlling to make sure he didn't rip off one of those long runs. Uh, not just last night, but how did you think overall the defense played this season? I thought the defense played really well early and probably carried the team as the new offense was sort of finding itself. I thought after the defensive line injuries set in, you know, when they they wound up playing without three of their front seven. For extended periods and with the nose guard, Marquand McCall, the defensive tackle, Octavius Oxendine, and the rush end, outside linebacker, Jordan Wright. And it turned out, you know, as many improvements as Mark Stoops has made to Kentucky football in terms of depth, they did not have enough depth to withstand losing three of their starting front seven and not feel it. You know, I thought the defense, admittedly, against some good offenses, you know, they, the defense really struggled against Mississippi State and Tennessee. And I thought, thought, you know, the last three games, which turned out to be against lesser opponents, I thought they started sort of getting it back together. And I agree with you. I thought they played really well last night. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about both coaches. uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a brief break. break, And I'll be right back with Mark's story of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, back with Mark's story, my fellow sports columnist with the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Mark, you brought up something to me which I did not know uh, about Scott Satterfield, the Louisville coach, uh, apparently suffered a, a death in the family, I guess, yesterday. Is that right? My understanding is he found out when his team went back into the locker room for the final time before the game that his father had passed away in North Carolina. Um, yeah. That um, obviously, you know, I think his dad had been sick for a long time, so it may not have been a complete surprise, but I'm still, you know, that can't be an easy thing to have to come back out and coach a football game once you get that news. No, no, absolutely. And condolences to Coach Satterfield uh, and to his family. Uh, that aside, if you're a Louisville fan, what do you, how do you, I know we, we follow him from down the road, but how do you think they feel about Satterfield at this point in his tenure? Well, judging by the message boards, they don't feel <laughs> real great. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Scott Satterfield is a good coach. I think he's a really good offensive coach. I'm not sure he's a great cultural fit for Louisville. Right. And, um, you know, it, it feels to me like a situation that would probably benefit both parties if, you know, Scott could land a maybe a different job. You know, there's a risk. You know, they you know Petrino 2.0 lasted what you know all four seasons. Right. There's a risk when you get into you know changing coaches all the time. You know, I, you know, I think there's a, an argument for stability that, that you know Kentucky actually has proven both with Rich Brooks and Mark Stoops. But in this case, I just wonder. You know. Culturally, it just it just doesn't seem a comfortable fit, you know, right. for whatever reason. No, I, I agree with that, and I think that you know uh, his dalliance with South Carolina at the end of last season. I think because I think uh, he he may feel that himself that he's a better fit for you know somebody who grew up in North Carolina has North Carolina South Carolina roots. I do think he has some good young players that he can build around, but they've got to get better defensively. I mean, uh, you know, last night, going into the game last night, when I did my preview podcast last week, talked to Cameron Teague of the Courier, and Cameron said they've been much better against the run defensively this year than they've been in the past, but then they turned around last night, what, Kentucky got 346 yards or something like that rushing against them after getting 517 the last time they played back in 2019. They've got to get better defensively, uh, but I do think he is a good offensive coach. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, now, on the other side of the ball, Mark Stoops. Of course, we are in the coaching carousel. A lot of buzz about will Mark be back next year? He seemed to talk after the game last night like someone who will be back next year. As we record this, Billy Napier, Florida, has made it official. They're hiring uh, Billy Napier, the coach at Louisiana, uh, to to uh, come in and replace Dan Mullen. The, the LSU job is still open. A lot of rumors yesterday about Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma. He shot those down after Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State last night. I don't know if that means LSU is back to square one. Who knows? Mark's name keeps coming up there. What do you make of all this? It's interesting. You know, I think Stoops is in a good spot. I think he's a good fit at Kentucky, and I think he's made Kentucky into a pretty good job. I think, you know, I think – for several reasons, it's a better job right now than it has traditionally been in terms of the investment they've made in facilities. You know, his coaching contract, you know, is pretty plush. It's a pretty good coaching contract <laughs> yep. uh, from, 
from what I read, you know, he still feels like the, the, the assistant pull for assistant salaries at UK isn't what it needs to be. You know, maybe that's something they need to address. You know, I think it basically would come down to, you know, if he got a chance to go to, you know, LSU or somewhere of that ilk, you know, is that something, you know, to, to be fulfilled in his career? Does he need, you know, to take a shot at a school where you can, it's proven you can win the national championship? And, you know, is that a better legacy than, you know, if he were to, you know, get Kentucky into the SEC championship game, which he's been moderately close to doing? Both in you know, you know, somewhat close to doing in 2018 when they played Georgia, you know, for the berth, and then this year they played Georgia for the SEC East lead. Not not quite the same thing, but you know, the thing here, you know, any success he has, I mean, it's his because you know he's got to, you know, he's doing things as Rich Brooks used to say that haven't been done here in a long, long time, and, and it's all you know, it's all to his credit. You know, if you're at an LSU. You know the last three coaches, head coaches there, have won the national championship. So you're you're just trying to you know repeat what they've done before. But you know partially, I think it just sort of comes down to if you had that chance, you know what do you want out of your out of your professional career? Right. No, I agree. I mean, I think Mark is a football guy, and I think any coach who has a any football coach who I mean, they would love to win a national championship and be in that position. In Louisiana, uh, produces a ton of players. You can also recruit in Texas. You can recruit nationally if you're the LSU coach. Uh, but the flip side of that is uh, it, they have a very short rope there at LSU, uh, as shown by you know what happened with. Coach O with with Coach Orgeron, he went to the national championship a couple of years ago. He has a couple of down years, and he's as he said last night after the game, he's going to Destin with his girlfriend. And good luck to the next LSU coach. So <laughs> you got that. Yeah, obviously you have that. The other thing to me, which I think is you know uh, kind of crazy, but it, there seems to be out there among the LSU fans. Why would we hire Kentucky's coach? Really, are we going to get Kentucky's coach, a guy who goes eight and four every year, without? appreciating the context of how that is. So, you know, it doesn't seem like if they hired Mark Stoops tomorrow, not saying that A, they would, or B, he would accept, but if they did, it doesn't sound like the LSU fan base would all be in favor of that. And do you factor that in if you're Scott Woodward as the uh, athletic director? Well, I think you obviously it's better when you win the press conference and people are excited about a coach. Now, there are ample examples of coaches that, you know, were not popular when hired that went on to do a good job. You can start with Rich Brooks here at UK. Absolutely. You know, I think it's preferable, you know, it's it's easier for everybody and gets everybody off to a good start if your coaching hire animates your fan base. You know, there are two things I think that hurts Mark in these searches. I think one is the fact that they have not been perceived well but let me rephrase that they have not at least until this year run sort of a modern offense they've been very run oriented and 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 just you know there's so much emphasis now on you know just kind of spreads and you know throwing it around right. and that kind of thing and that's not how mark has built his success but i also think there's kind of a misreading or, or a failure to understand the context of his record mm-hmm. i mean when he came to kentucky kentucky was terrible I mean, they were two and ten oh and eight you know it took him you know he started out 12 and 26 but he's 46 and 27 since then and by you know that's really good in a job where nobody's been close to that really since bear bryant Right. So I think I think there's kind of a, a misreading of his record, 
And I also think what you alluded to is just there's such a negative connotation about Kentucky football that just it seems impossible to shake. I mean, I think that partially explains why they were the three a three point underdog against you know a Louisville team they've right. just been dominating. You know, a team with a better record in a better conference, yet you know they were the underdog. Right. I just think there's such a negative. There's been there was such a long negative you know association with Kentucky football that. I, you know, it's, it's been hard. It, it, people just seem to, you know, it's, that just seems to be a hard thing for him to overcome. Right. No, I, I have no doubt after covering, as we both have Mark for his nine years here, I think Mark would do a good job no matter where he coached. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's done a good job in recruiting and developing players. And I think any situation you sit in, put him in, not to say he would win right away, he would do a good job in that situation. But they're just, like you said about the Kentucky coach or whatever, he doesn't just have that Q factor, that buzz that, uh, uh, not that I, you know, we, the last thing we want to do is go through a coaching search. So not, I'm, <laughs> not that I'm saying I hope Mark, uh, Mark leaves at, at all, uh, but I think he would do a really good job no matter where he coached. W- would he win a national championship somewhere? I don't know. I mean, you gotta have, you got to have some breaks. you got to have things go your way to win a national championship. There's been a lot of good teams out there that, that did not win national championships, so you have to see what happened. But going back to what, what you said about his contract, obviously he has a very good contract. But I think, and I may be wrong about this, and I'm sure his agent, Jimmy Sexton, would not tell me I'm wrong, but would say, you know, Mark deserves more money. But I think Mark would like to have more money for his assistants. He'd love to have more uh, of the analysts that uh, teams like Kentucky has some, but they would like to have more. Uh, You know, Alabama is the gold standard in that regard as far as staff members and analysts and that sort of thing. I think Mark would like to see more of that so he could feel like he's on a – more competitive or more an even playing field uh, with who he's going up against in what is definitely the toughest, roughest uh, conference in, in the country, a conference that Texas and Oklahoma are, uh, are about to join, which are not going to make things uh, any easier. But uh, the other thing, like we mentioned earlier, he, it took so much hard work to get where they are right now. Do you want to, do you turn, do you want to turn and walk away from that and start someplace, start again someplace else, even if you, in a better starting spot than you were when you started out at Kentucky. You know, the other thing I wonder about the the contract Michigan State gave Mel Tucker, who, you know, has not been there very long and has had a very good year, but it's just an astronomical contract, right. you know, what, $95 million over right. 10 years? And if you're Mark Stoops and you've, you know, been in the trenches, you know, for nine years and, you know, have built a program that is historically – you know, really, really struggled, and you've made it, you know, more than respectable. And you look at that contract and say, "Hey, you know, what's the deal right. here?" Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I mean, I think you know, the rumor out there is that LSU is offering twelve, thirteen million dollars a year in trying to get a head coach. So, I mean, the market just keeps going up, up, and up. So that's Mitch Barnhart's problem. He'll have to deal with. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Mark, is something that you also wrote about, uh, which is everybody's to talk about now. Where are they going bowl wise? Uh, what do you think that the scenario is? Not to give away everything you wrote, but uh, and I guess will we find out next Sunday? Is that is that the way this works? I believe that's correct. And you know, I think they're in. You know, with Texas A and M losing, I think they they may be in position to get back to the Citrus Bowl. They're they have the fourth best SEC record. You know, they're nine and three overall. 
you know, if you assume, or let's assume Georgia beats Alabama in the championship game, that Georgia's in the playoff, I would think that both Alabama and Ole Miss would be in the New, New Year's Six Bowls. Mm-hmm. So that would, you know, then give the Citrus Bowl first choice. And I think Kentucky if it would have a pretty good shot there. And if not there, I think they would get the Outback Bowl if that's what they want. Right. Now it, sure, it sure looks like they're going to end up somewhere in Florida. Uh, but we'll see. Who knows? There's all kinds of all kinds of factors that play the <laughs> play themselves into that when it comes down to picking bowl. Because there's really not a tier. Is there any more? There's a first tier, but the second tier it's more they try to match teams with bowls instead of a pecking order. I think once they're outside the New Year six, I think the Citrus Bowl has first choice, and then I think there's like six or seven bowls were sort of considered of equal merit. And the league office and the bowls sort of mix and match. And I think the schools have input. And I would assume that a lot of that operates by, you know, league record where you finished in the league, kind of where you are in terms of getting your preference. And like I said, Kentucky's fourth in the league. And I would think the fan base, you know, going nine and three, I know there was some after that three game losing streak, there was some, uh, you know, fans down about the football program. And even after they beat Vanderbilt, you know, some of them were not happy with the way they played against Vandy. But, uh, and of course, New Mexico State, you know, no match for Kentucky. But the way they played, uh, Saturday night against their arch rival, uh, winning 52 to 21, uh, finishing the season with nine wins with a chance to 10 wins. They had a, I thought a really good showing from a fan standpoint at the Citrus Bowl when they played Penn State after the 2018 season. I would think the fans would be ready to travel and ready to, to back this team in a bowl. Yeah, I would think the way they looked against Louisville would have put some air back in the sails. You know, I think the Tennessee loss, even more so than the three straight losses, is yeah. what took a lot out took a lot out of the fan base. And I think uh, last night probably salved that at least a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mark. Anything else? Or really, anything else you wanted to hit on or touch on 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 Kentucky football, the game Saturday in the season? Just one, I, I, one, one, one thing about the, the Louisville game. I thought that play Josh Pascal made at the end of the first half where he hit, he got Malik Cunningham down on an option play for a nine-yard loss was just a humongous play in that game. You know, Louisville was down 24-7, to but they were driving and had it third and two at the Kentucky 22. And because they were going to get the ball to start the first half, if they had scored a touchdown there, they'd have been back in the game with a chance to, you know, really get back in it coming out of the halftime with momentum. And that Pascal play just completely took them out, you know, took them out of any chance to go for it on fourth down, and they missed a long field goal. And I thought that was one of the the key plays of the game that was kind of easy to overlook, you know, because of the way the game wound up playing out. I, and I just. I just thought it was a huge play by a guy who's had a really good year. Yes, he's had a great year. He's had a really great year. He's had a great career. You can tell the way Mark Stoops talked about him last Monday at his press conference. He's Josh Pascal is one of Mark Stoops' all-time favorite players. He said he'd rank him up there nearer at the top of the list of the guys he's coached, just not only from his play on the field but off the field and the way he's conducted himself. He got hurt in the game last night. We did not get an update at the end of the game. Hopefully he's nothing too serious where he would have to miss the bowl game or anything like that. Uh, we'll just have to see. But uh, he, I mean, he's represented the university and the football team both on and off the field, just to, uh, just to, in a terrific way, all his entire career at Kentucky. 
It is commercial as funny as that, it is. <laughs> it is. If, if you haven't seen that, you should check that out as well. Uh, so, well, okay. Well, Mark, uh, we do not have a Mark Stoops uh, press conference this week, but there'll be uh, a lot of uh, speculation and a lot of uh, curiosity about both what's going on in the coaching carousel and also about Kentucky, where they're going to end up in a bowl, which we should find out next weekend. Uh, who, who do you like, Georgia and Alabama, in the SEC championship game? I like the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, I think Alabama had trouble moving the ball on Auburn. Well, they haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> no, no, we've seen it. They haven't seen it yet, yeah. That Georgia defense was unbelievable. Shut out Georgia Tech yesterday. Not that Georgia Tech is a great team by any means, but another shutout for the Georgia defense. So see that as well. We'll be sure and follow up uh, Mark all week on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out his work at the both in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader and online on Kentucky.com. And as always, thanks for being on the podcast, Mark. Well, thank you, John. And just uh, did you see that Bruce Feldman's reporting Lincoln Riley is going to Southern Cal? Is he reporting that? I saw where he said that he thought they would take a swing at him. Is that right? Wow. Thanks, John. Okay, thanks, Mark. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Mark Story. Check him out on Twitter at Mark C. Story and online at Kentucky.com. As Mark mentioned, looks like Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley is headed to Southern Cal. That opens up the Oklahoma job. We'll see how that affects the coaching carousel and how it affects uh, Mark Stoops' future as the Kentucky coach. Uh, I wrote about that as my column, which you can find online now at Kentucky.com. We'll be in the print edition of the Lexington Herald-Leader on Monday, so check that out. As I mentioned earlier, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Appreciate everybody who listens to these podcasts, who've listened to them all through the football season. You can find them on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Thanks again to Mark Story for being my Sunday guest all through the football season. We really appreciate that. As I said, we appreciate everybody who's listened. We'll have plenty more podcasts, both on football and of course as the basketball season continues to look for those as well so again thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on the john clay podcast